Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Page 8 Podcast, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm your host, Kristen Carr, and thank you guys so much for joining us yet again this week. Um, If you're noticing my voice is a little bit out, um, I've got a bit of a cold from the pollen, but um, we're going to do our best today. So thank you guys again for joining us. Um, We have Callie Stanford here, um, and she is going to be talking about A-Day, which was this past weekend, and we're going to be sort of breaking down a few things that happened, and we're going to start off our conversation with the quarterbacks. And I feel like I'm getting a little bit of deja vu from last season with all of the quarterback talk and all the questions surrounding that position, but here we go. Kelly, how are you? I am good. I'm excited to break all this down. Okay, let's start and talk about Robbie Ashford. He was the offensive MVP. Um... I thought he looked really good. Uh, He had great movement, great pocket awareness. You know, his eyes were downfield. He was really traveling north and south, pushing the offense. What would be your take on his performance? Um, I completely agree with everything you said. That's kind of what we heard coming in was that he was going to be really agile, a lot of speed. I know I heard a lot about his quick release, and you definitely saw that. I think he showed it off really well. Um, So the way they did it was that he was getting – reps with the second team offense and he spent a good three quarters of the game on the field so I think that definitely helped people see him like if you hadn't been to practices and hadn't heard about him it gave a good look at what all he can do I think he was really effective and and really made a point that he can compete for this job yeah and then with um TJ Finley my thoughts on him were that he just looked very average um would you agree with that I would and TJ I think with the way that their perspective on this is TJ was a transfer, but he's here now had the job last year. So you can't say he is the starter, but he's firmly in the number one spot because he's already been here. So he got less reps than Robbie. I think he worked for maybe half the game and then sat out to me. He doesn't look like he's improved very much. Um, I know half of that probably came from the receiving end, but to me, he just did not stand out compared to Robbie. Because, like you saw, Robbie got the MVP. He just didn't quite shine like maybe he wanted to. Yeah, going off of that, you mentioned the receivers. I agree with that. I it was it was pretty bad, um, to be <laughs> honest. I it which is you know it's disappointing. I think because we had all those conversations last year about the receivers, then they made some improvement, and it just kind of looked. Um, lazy to me and maybe that was just because they were like oh it doesn't matter it's just a day I don't know um but if I were the receivers trying to uh show my stuff and earn my spot that's probably not the mindset I would have gone in with um you never know but yeah I I I agree with that I feel like part of it was TJ just not really showing out and then part of it was the receivers on that end And then also, um, you mentioned, you know, him being here, you know, last year sort of giving him a little bit of solidity. But, you know, Harson did say that the competition was there and that there was a possibility that, you know, anyone can step up. What's your take on that? And and who do you see um, really stepping up for that? I think exactly what you're saying. You've got to have a perspective that these are very – high-profile transfers that Harson's brought into the program. So, like we're saying, you know, TJ had the job. I think that there he gets consideration for that. But 
it's an equal playing field in the eyes of the staff. So they told us after it was like, you know, we're not naming a starter till fall camp. But for me, coming out of spring, I'm going to say Robbie looks like the guy just because, I don't know, to me he's excelled so much even though he didn't get to play much at Oregon. So he looked really good. But then transitioning, you've got to talk about Zach Calzada a little bit. Yep. So you get Zach in from A&M. He played through last season somewhat with an injury. So it's, I believe, his right shoulder. And I need you guys to explain when I'm ex- telling you about all this. Um, Calzada has been non-contact this spring, as with any quarterback. You know, you give them a different color jersey. They're not supposed to get hit. And the, guy, the team didn't really have much contact through spring at all. But Zach specifically did not get live reps at all. So live meaning you know, you've got both sides accurately seeking the ball, like live in a game situation. Zach didn't get to have any of that. So we're talking about A-Day and how great Robbie showed out. Zach did not participate in A-Day because he wasn't taking live reps. So, you know, got to give him a little credit. Harson says he's taking some really good reps, and he said Zach gets every mental rep that he can, but he, you know, I can't talk about him because we didn't get to see him at all in the scrimmage. Yeah, and you kind of said going off of that, um, you know, like uh, where we were talking about TJ earlier, how we kind of looked at his performance last season and how, you know, he had the job, he was the guy for Auburn after Bo Nix. Um, would you say that they're going to kind of take into consideration Zach's performance at AM? I mean, he had a huge game against, you know, Alabama, huge game against Auburn when he was at AM. So would you say that his performance at AM is going to play a big role, or do you think, you know, TJ is still above him because of his performance last season? I think from my perspective and from what little I've seen, I think it's entirely equal. I do think, like what you're saying, they'll have to look at some of that tape because he does have starting experience and he hasn't gotten to do much at Auburn. But I think Harson said in one of our press conferences, like, these guys are living the life of a movie. They're, every single move that they've made is getting watched. So I think Zach, because he's out, is getting evaluated differently. So I do think they'll have to look at that. Because like you said, in that Alabama game, awesome performance. (laughs) That was a good time. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think also, you know, you do have to take into consideration um, consistency. I think that's going to be a huge thing going forward as they're evaluating who they really want to step up to the helm on that. And, you know, I, I like Calzada because of that, um, just because I think that he's shown that he can step up in difficult situations and be consistent. And I think he's also a fighter. Um, we saw how he worked through injuries. We saw how he fought, and that grit, is it goes a long way. Um, so in my book, that's that's a nice look. But also, you have to really make sure, you know, you kind of have to take things with a grain of salt because it's just spring. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can find out and see. Um, so a lot of that's going to be, um, we'll, we'll find out later. But I do want to talk about um, Holden Gariner. Yes. And a lot of people um, don't know who that is. Uh, tell us who that is. <laughs> so if you're familiar with how um, like athletes enroll in colleges, so Holden is a true freshman early enrollee, meaning he graduated high school early and he is now at Auburn. So, you know, you get a handful of those every spring. So Holden 
I think he won the state championship in high school over in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So he wins the state championship, signs in Auburn, and like dude moved in in January. So he's like baptism by fire for Holden <laughs> because he's had a transition in his life. So he comes in spring camp, and Harson has said like, "Hey, this guy." It's not that he's not doing anything, but that it's just such an adjustment for him. Learning about college ball. So Holden comes into spring camp. He did that. He got, I believe, the last drive of the 8A game. So, you know, three quarters of the game, we pretty much just saw TJ and Robbie. And then Holden comes in at the end. I'm going to call it the best drive of the day just because I think the speed of it, it felt a little more game-like than the rest. Mm -hmm. And I think that was because they were moving in people that hadn't played but Holden had a, a good drive, and then they closed out with the best touchdown of the day by far. And you said, you mentioned his speed, which is actually really interesting because Harson gave a great quote on Holden where he said, he can play, there's no doubt about it. He's poised and a little paranoid. He knows he needs to keep working on things. And he kind of talked about how Holden has to transition from the high school speed to the college speed. So on that last drive where you said it was very powerful, would you say that that really showed that he's capable of keeping up with, like, 20, 21, 22-year-olds, and he's 18? Like, that's insane. So would you say that he looks pretty promising for that? I think so. And like I'm saying, you know, it was the end of the game, so you had some some lower-level guys on the field. But I do think it, it showed that Holden is capable of keeping up with the pace. And, you know, he, he got some work done. It looked good from my eyes. Yeah, and then I also um, want to talk about Landon King. I think KCU had um, some stuff on him as well. Yeah, so earlier we were talking about TJ also, where you said, you know, it could have been an issue on the receiver end. But Harson also had a great quote on Landon King where he said, one thing about him is he doesn't flinch. And this is when he was crediting his do-to-anything-you-need approach, where we talked about how he's worked as tight end and a wide receiver. So do you think that, you know, he got this, like, I guess, kind of like his the shining light on him because he was the only receiver, you know, out there and everybody else was doing poorly? Or was it because, you know, he actually is like this legit guy? I'm going to say... I'm not going to say Landon King is going to be the star of Auburn next year, but Landon, they have said multiple times he's going to be that guy because they moved him around a little bit, and whatever position they're calling him, that's not permanent. Like, he moves from the receiver room, the tight end room. Like, Harson joked about him zooming through all the meeting rooms because he's picking up so many jobs. And I know the receivers, like, they're missing Javarius Johnson. Like, it's they're missing depth, but they're also just not using all the guys they have. So Landon really got to show out. I think they're going to use him really well. Like, if nothing else, you know, I, Landon could be there for every play. He can be wherever you want him. He's going to get it done. And it sounds like he's he knows that that's going to have to be his job. Yeah, it's always interesting when you see someone, you know, Harson, part of his job right now, I think, is finding where people – um, sort of fit right in and where where did that where did the they fit in the notch and and in their place on the team and I think uh, them playing around with Landon King is, is one of those examples um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he ends up um, he might not even settle in one spot and maybe that they continue to move him around um, which is fun you know it puts a little adventure in there um, and and puts a little bit of a guessing game on our end um, but you know if he is versatile and if he is consistent and able to put together a good performance on a day basis, you never know. Um, you know, he could be the the star like you were talking about. 
Uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch him because, like, JJ Pegues, y'all remember when he kind of had a standout? Yes. I, I think that's going to be well. Landon. Yeah, like, yeah. Landon's just going to be bouncing around, doing whatever they need him to do. So I'm excited about it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Callie, for coming on. Always appreciate you. And uh, that was great. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast writer for The Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support the organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here at Auburn. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. All right, next up, we are going to be talking a little bit about baseball, and we have Matthew Wallace here with us today, um, and Matthew is one of our writers uh, here at The Plainsman, and he's been covering a lot of baseball for us lately, um, most recently um, the series against Vanderbilt this past weekend. Um, now, Auburn baseball has now won three consecutive SEC series with their win over Vanderbilt, and... Vanderbilt has been a powerhouse um, in both SEC play and really just in NCAA in general over the past few years. Um, They have a lot of respect in this area and undoubtedly a talented team. And Auburn has come out surprisingly shocking everyone with a series win. Uh, Matthew, how would you break this down for us? Well, it's an important series win because that's the second top uh, top 15 win in a row for the Auburn baseball team. It's shown that they compete with the nation's best. It's putting them in position to contend in the SEC Western Division. They're only a game behind Arkansas, who's in first place. And it's really a signature series win over a team that has been among the top teams in the SEC over the past decade. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's really something that shocked a lot of people um, because Auburn really was not, um, hasn't really been doing super well um, in baseball recently. They've been just kind of struggling and just, you know, they've had some good wins here and there, but it's really interesting. We, we're starting to see them actually come alive a little bit. And with three, you know, consecutive SEC series wins, like I said earlier, um, it kind of puts into question, wow, maybe they have some potential for um, a really good season this year. What's your take on that? Well, at the rate they're going, they could very well host a regional if they keep up the pace that they are performing at. Because 7-5 and in what many consider to be the toughest conference in college baseball, the SEC, again with road series victories over Texas A&M and LSU and now a home series victory over Vanderbilt, that's certainly very impressive on the resume and something the committee will look at come May. So if they continue up this pace, they could very well be having a regional in Auburn this May. All right. Um, very interesting prediction, and I think – you know, it plays into, we've talked about um, with other people as they've come on, um, a lot of the pitching issues we've talked about. And it seems like maybe they might have come over at least one hump a little bit um, this past weekend. And you have um, Joe Gonzalez looking really good. And he earned co-pitcher of the week um, for the SEC. So, um, talk about his performance and what he has brought to the Tigers this series. Well, his performance was masterful. It was 104 pitches, a complete game. 81 of his pitches were strikes. He didn't walk a single batter, which is very critical in efficiency. So he only gave up eight hits after Auburn had given up 23 to the exact same lineup the day before. And so he's really cemented himself as a Sunday starter and maybe even moves up to Saturday and Friday in the future years. 
and he's going to be a critical part of their success going forward. Yeah, and I also want to talk about um, Sonny Dachara, and he also earned an honor this week, SEC co-player, um, and Sonny not only got co-player of the week, he's also leading the country in average on-base percentage, slugging percentage. He leads the team with 13 doubles, 11 home runs, and 32 RBIs. Talk about his performance um, so far and sort of his leadership for this team. Well, he's a new face on the team, but he's come out, he's been a leader, and he has led the team in many of these statistics, like you said. He got his 50th career home run on Saturday. He added two more on Sunday. And he's really putting himself in a position to potentially get the SEC Player of the Year. It's been one of the great stories in all of college baseball, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. And can you um, give us a little bit of a sneak peek into what Auburn has coming up next and uh, what Auburn fans have to look forward to? Well, next week they get another road series, which they've done very well on the road. They've won their past two road conference series. And this one is against the defending national champions, Mississippi State, who it's a very winnable series for Auburn. They've been struggling this year. But again, that's another tough environment and another great resume-building series if Auburn can get a win or two there. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on, and um, it was great having you. Thank you. All right, we're going to sum it up here for you guys. And the last thing I do want to say is gymnastics is heading down to Texas on Tuesday um, for the NCAA semifinals um, that happened on Thursday. And then the top two teams from that will advance to the championship on Saturday. So be keeping an eye out for that. And um, I also believe that there is a send-off for them. Um, so you can find information about that um, on Auburn's website if you want to do the Tiger Walk there. But um, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you want to check out more of our content, we post up on our website, our social media every single day. Go check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.